In this B-side episode, Gordon Jin, office director of architectural firm HKS Singapore, talks about computational design and how it's being used to create socially beneficial developments. He tells Business World reporter Bronte H. Laksamana about New Star Resort, a mixed-use development in Cebu that was built with the help of algorithms, performance optimization, and automated documentation. Tools that are much more technologically advanced than the usual pencil and paper associated with the architectural profession. Welcome to B-Side. I'm Bron Laksamana, a multimedia reporter for Business World. Today, I'm joined by Gordon Jin, an award-winning architect and office director of architecture firm HKS Singapore. So he will talk to us about computational design. Now, you've had extensive experience around the world. Resorts World Sentosa, Macau Island Hospital, Glen Eagles Hospitals in both Shanghai and Chengdu. So here in the Philippines, you also have the new Star Resort in Cebu. First of all, I'd like to thank you for joining us in this podcast and talking to us about your projects and your work. Thank you for having me. And as you've rightly said, you know, HKS is a global firm that is headquartered in the US. And as the office director of the Singapore office, we cover projects all around the region from the Asia Pacific to the Middle East and greater China regions. Now, I know I already introduced you just a tiny bit, but we like to start off our podcast with asking the guests to introduce themselves and in their own words, describe what they do. Sure. So my name is Gordon and I am the office director of uh, HKS. Singapore. As an architecture firm, what we do is the design process of a building. You know, from from conceptualization until the building goes up into our built environment, we are kind of involved in the entire process of collaborating with the client, as well as all the other consultants and engineers to ensure that the building in its life cycle is the kind of executed properly. And in this day and age, as mentioned before, you know, computational design is becoming a hugely integral part of how we view this design process within architecture. So maybe to just explain what computational design means, um, because that is quite a kind of loaded term, if you will. To put it simply, computational design is really the workflow that enables us to enhance project and design outcomes and performance through the use of digital models, where we can start to simulate a bunch of scenarios and come up with better solutions across multiple criteria. Yeah. How long has computational design been around, actually? So as architects, we've always used computers, you know, for, for the past 40, 50 years, whenever there was um, computer-aided design, which is what we call CAD tools. But the idea of computational design is something that has been prevalent in the past decade or two. So it's a relatively new concept that has come a lot with understanding a different way to approach design. It's when we stop seeing the computer as a tool, but as a kind of shift in thinking and something that can design alongside architects. Now, this actually reminds me a bit of artificial intelligence. How close is that? So in some ways, it does touch on some elements of artificial intelligence in that you are really utilizing algorithmic design. You're using the computer to start all these performance optimizations and simulations, but there's still a kind of variable of human input where a person, in this case an architect, starts to program all of these you know, different scenarios and design tools and then utilizes the computer or the computational design thinking as a form of design method and practice, if you will. Now let's be more specific. How would you describe the current architecture landscape in Asia And where exactly does computational design fit into it? So I think as a region, you know, the design approach that is practiced by a lot of architecture studios is 
gone beyond the days of, you know, manually sketching and just doing drawings um, with a lot of practices now using digital software uh, for the design process. But in some ways, they are still quite traditional as the digital modeling or the, the kind of the computer aid design is still a direct visual translation of what the designer or the architect has in mind. So this new method of computational design really starts to open up the possibilities of discovering unexpected and novel design methods through a generative manner. So it really navigates the trade-offs between high performance designs, you know, and different constraints and parameters that we might have. This is really quite different to how we see the traditional method, as I described before, where form generation and co-design is still by humans, but and then subsequently translated into the computer. So this new methodology of having the computer as a kind of co-designer really starts to introduce new ways of thinking, of making and producing between all these collaborative efforts between the designer, the architect and the client, the designer and the, the various consultants, but also now the designer and artificial intelligence. You know, I think so one example that I'll, I'll just kind of briefly touch on that we use within our studio at HKS is um, this idea of simulations. You know, so simulations is a way in which we can generate and analyze designs that we have in a mathematical model that can recreate physical conditions and climatic conditions in a virtual environment. You know, there, there are many different types of simulations that we work on. There's occupancy, there's environmental, there's physics and structural, or even energy. And what these simulations and techniques really allow us to do is evaluate the building performance even before a single column is put down in construction so that we can create much more sustainable and efficient solution when we are designing a building or a piece of architecture. Thinking of computers as, like you said, a co-designer rather than just a tool, do you think how accepted do you think this kind of thinking already is? With innovation, it's it's always a, a kind of a balance. But in my experience, I've learned that architecture as a discipline and profession really needs to very quickly adapt and adopt new thinking methodologies to move you know, the outcomes that we have from ordinary to extraordinary. I think we're, we're seeing it all around us in many other industries where technology and innovation is at its cutting edge, forward thinking, barrier breaking front. I think architecture cannot be left behind. The outcomes that we make of built environment are still the currency of credibility. So if we don't create more extraordinary outcomes Comes, the knowledge and profession that architects have will not be sustainably respected, nor the value of the process and our thinking and expertise. So I think that is why, as a discipline, need to start to create solutions to the increasingly complex problems that we're facing today through, you know, a, a form of limitless thinking. And seeing younger colleagues nowadays, they, they bring with them a new abundance of skill sets that are really emerging technologies and methodologies. And it, it really starts to elevate how we used to think about the design process and the, the production of architecture with these new tool sets. But on the other hand, older architects always bring a lot of experience and knowledge and technical expertise. So I think as an industry, we need to start to kind of have this limitless thinking come as a collaborative effort where the innovation of the profession is really starting to create this paradigm shift. I think the days of hand drafting and CAD tools are really in the past. And we need to start utilizing the processes that are outside the norms, you know, ones that involve, as mentioned before, you know, the computational thinking like algorithmic design, performance optimization, automated documentation, and, you know, start to introduce programming languages within the workflow. And with this, you know, we can start to lead with both 
both innovation and invention and ask the right questions that can really start to have the rigor to test, to experiment, and to explore new innovations that can really bring architecture to new extraordinary outcomes for the industry and profession. Now, I also read about and I've seen a bit of New Star Resort and it's it's such a huge property and it's very interesting to see how it's going to be in the future. Now, you've mentioned all of this, the benefits of computational design, and I want you to sort of bring it to that. How exactly did that play into New Star? Just a bit of background about New Star Resort. We, HKS, got involved in around 2017 when you know we were approached by a, a renowned developer, uh, Universal Hotels and Resorts. And they had you know started to formulate plans to create something really beautiful for Cebu City after running a deep and thorough feasibility and market study. And they had identified that this was the kind of mega development that could really push Cebu to be a premier leisure and entertainment kind of destination. So with that was the conceptualization of New Star, uh, which was a mega development that has, you know, a three world-class hotels, one of the biggest gaming floors outside Metro Manila, a 1,700-seat theater, and a luxury retail mall and food village. The property itself is located on Kauit Island, which is along Southern Road properties in Cebu. And it's really strategically situated along a kind of coastal front on the east of Cebu. So when we started this design with Universal Hotels and Resorts, we really wanted to look at the design from the lens of the Cebuano culture and understanding the kind of linkages to, to the water that really surround the island of Cebu. If you look at the base of the building, it's reminiscent of the kind of Western ships and galleons that used to explore the regions of the seas. And the three towers are then designed as sails. So it was really, really trying to kind of bring back the idea of, you know, that kind of shipping and kind of explorative culture that Cebu had within its deep history. So when we were looking at the design, because it was such a kind of huge building, we had to really start to seamlessly integrate computational thinking into our design lifecycle. And so what we really started is because, as you know, in Cebu, the climatic conditions, you know, there are a lot of typhoons, a lot of variable climatic conditions. So what we did was we really started to use the computational design as a tool, you know, to go through a series of rigorous kind of simulation and analysis so that we could optimize the design to respond to all of these climatic factors and conditions. And then secondly, you know, when we were looking at the three towers uh, for the hotels, you know, with, with a thousand keys, we wanted to really specifically generate and tune uh, the design of the towers to the environment so that it could really minimize, you know, the heat gain while maximizing daylight for the guest occupants and their comfort. So with that, again, the integration of the continuous design started to utilize all of the daylighting and solar heat gain analysis to start to optimize, you know, design to respond to the optimal form for building performance. And the kind of prong in which we started to introduce, you know, this computational thinking was the podium, which was where the casino and the luxury mall and theater are located. So with that, you know, there's quite a kind of complex facade geometry. You know, it's double curved in some areas. So what we wanted to do was to craft a kind of facade that was responsive to the environment and the program within the building, but also have this kind of continuity and flow that would mimic some of the ideas of water and the ships and the fluidity that I was speaking about before.
people that drove the design concept of the building. You know, so using some of the algorithmic design thinking, what we did was we applied that, you know, to have this continuous facade that would adapt to a host of different functions and porosities and forms, but also start to minimize the number of unique panels that would be needed so that we could keep the cost down. So these were just a few different ways in which we were utilizing the computer as a co-designer to inform some of our outcomes. And without some of the tools that we used or the computational design thinking, we would not be, have been able to arrive at these solutions. That sounds really interesting. Like I didn't know that you could actually have simulations so that the architecture can adapt to the environment. Yes, it is very, very prevalent in many different scenarios, if you will. The, the idea of simulation, it can go all the way from wind to daylight to, you know, kind of heat gain to even other kind of physical components like structure or even sensing how many people will use the building or move within the building itself. So that is the tools that we have in this day and age, you know, with the advent of technology. We're able to recreate all of these scenarios within a virtual environment and run all the millions of simulations or possible, you know, outcomes. And then the computer is able to provide the different kind of design outcomes for each scenario. And with all of these different scenarios, which is what we call generative design, you can start to form what you think is the best outcome that can be constructed. So it's really limitless, if you will. I think as much as we like to think otherwise, I think us as humans, our thinking is not limitless. You know, our ability to make decisions and solve problems and generate outcomes is still quite limited by our cognitive abilities, you know, our access to information and the time that we have. So in some ways, we call this bounded rationality and it's it's inherent in all humans. But I think we're fortunate that the computers can really expand our abilities in all of these regards. So it really allows a different way to approach design, a different way to access information, data, and generate outcomes. And in this particular case, architecture. Now, how about more socially beneficial developments? How can this kind of design serve that? I think computational architecture has really allowed us to be more cognizant of the building as a product, as it relates to the full life cycle of design to execution and construction to post-occupancy. I think consequently, us as uh, designers and architects, we become more socially responsible and environmentally conscious as, you know, this computational architecture really allows, you know, the integrated digital delivery. It allows us to calculate the different carbon footprints and optimize productivity and allows us to understand the impact that the built form or the built environment can have have on the finite resources available because we're already able to simulate and generate these conditions in a virtual environment before it's constructed. So this tool in itself, it really, really starts to, you know, have much more socially beneficial consequences if we're able to output what the embodied carbon or the carbon footprint of a building is and minimize that before a single piece of construction goes down on the ground. You know, and I think as our contemporary environment is always changing. As architects, our, our professional obligations still remain. And as we kind of designers of you know, our environments, we face increasingly complex and interconnected challenges, which are very different to those from our past. And in facing these more complex challenges, I think our ability to solve for these problems can be amplified through our intentional use of complexity in our approach. And I think computational design offers us one way of broadening up the range of diverse perspectives 
perspectives that we bring to the table. So for example, working within a shared virtual model, we can enable a type of split agency and collaboration that is necessary to solve the problems of today and tomorrow. Because we can start to leverage multiple perspectives, different inputs from different stakeholders, and that will always create more resilient solutions for the future. And, you know, I think as kind of architects, we always see change as an opportunity. And the kind of computational applications within the digital twin process and the building information modeling process has really brought about a lot of efficiency and automation. But I think with this computational design, you know, we really have another opportunity to innovate to ensure that we are identifying, quantifying, and measuring the building's performance across multiple spectrums and the lifespans for increased resiliency and increased lifespan and increased durability. So that is what I think, you know, this departure from the conventional practice can really start to socially benefit kind of society and the the built environment that we see today. Now, this may be a bit of a hard question, but what do you think will it take for the architecture world in the Philippines and Southeast Asia to really accept and be more open and willing to try this out? As most industries are, I think people get quite set in their ways of thinking, of working, and change can always be seen as a kind of difficult challenge to undertake. But I think being kind of socially conscious and thinking about the life cycle of buildings and what environmental impact that would have, change and innovation is always necessary. And in starting to accept some of these changes, I think how we can start to begin doing that is changing some of the ways in which we approach the design process. Traditionally, we see the design process as something that is quite hierarchical driven. You know, there's one lead designer who comes conceptualizes design. There's a technical designer who implements the design, and then that is passed on into different hands and so on until the building comes up into its built form within the environment. If we can start to see this design process as something more collaborative, as something much flatter uh, with multiple inputs and collaborations, I think that is already a start in changing the way in which we see this design methodology. Because by having this kind of collaboration, we involve a lot more insight and different perspective and different expertise into design process. And computational design then just becomes another extended piece of insight, you know, with the computational and algorithmic thinking another stakeholder that we can involve into our design process. And in that way, the change isn't a human versus computer type of binary kind of application. It becomes a more, can we start to make the collaborative effort much wider? Can we evolve other platforms like artificial intelligence and computers into our design process as well? So it really starts with being more collaborative, being a a much kind of flatter profession and discipline and understanding that as a single stake, Stakeholder, our views might be limited, but with multiple stakeholders, with many different collaborators, we really expand our range of thinking and bring about a much better design solution to the picture. So what I'm hearing is it's not just going to affect the structure itself and the people who will benefit from it. It's also going to be good for the culture of architects also. Most most definitely. I, I think not only affects the structure of the building, but it also affects the environment because it allows us to be more cognizant of what kind of 
carbon footprint, you know, how, how sustainable buildings can be for the future and how much resources, you know, we are really using. And if we can start to minimize those, be more socially and environmentally conscious, I think this leads to much greater outcomes for the community and the world at large. That's great to hear. I'm actually very excited and I hope there will be more of that in the Philippines because here in Asia, we have all sorts of wonderful resources and it's a waste to not be conscious of them in building all these things. Exactly. I think as architects and designers, our first and foremost kind of responsibility is to the environment and the communities. So if there's a way in which the buildings that we create can contribute to being more sustainable, being more environmentally conscious and, and reducing our carbon footprint so that our natural resources can be kept the way they are and the world can be sustained in a much more feasible manner, that is the best outcome we could hope for. And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Gordon Jin, Office Director of Architectural Firm HKS Singapore, talking to Business World reporter Bronte H. Laksamana about computational design. According to Mr. Jin, architects today need to create solutions through limitless thinking which involves working with artificial intelligence. Man and machine are not binary opposites, he said, and we should think of computers as our collaborators and not as our replacements. This B-side episode was recorded remotely in September 2022. It was produced by Joseph Emmanuel L. Garcia and me, Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.